everybody. Welcome to Mental Illness Life. My name is Brooke. And oh my God, you guys, this is the fourth recording of this episode that I've had to sort of go back over and over. I think the third episode, I don't know, it's just been sort of plaguing me because I, I think it's getting really real and really vulnerable. And a lot of people have been listening and I've gotten a lot of feedback. Some like amazing feedback. I haven't really gotten any negative feedback. Maybe that's just because people are maybe afraid to say something or they just don't care. Um, you know, that's something I'm going to have to deal with is, is are people going to be a little turned off by it? Well, that's why we need to do these. Uh, it's even more important because it's, it is such a stigma. So I got to tell you, this episode, I'm a little bit riled up, and I want to say this first. There is a fine line between just being fucking pissed off and having, like, a manic episode or having an anxiety attack or, you know, having something manifest out of mental illness. I mean, we all get pissed off, and this episode, I'm going to talk about toxic relationships, um, you know, beneficial relationships, but really about people. I'm going to throw in there a little bit about alcoholism. Um, It's kind of off in left field, but I really do think that they correspond to each other and and they go together. So let me just start out by saying thank you for listening. Like I said, there's been some really great feedback and I have decided to run this solely on fundraising and donations. So you can go to my Facebook page, which is just Mental Illness Life, and there's a fundraiser there. You can do that right through Facebook. And that way, this just stays listener funded. And I don't have to go to, you know, through the motions of of advertisers and that kind of stuff. So you just hear me and that's it. And I would be so grateful. So like I said, the response has been huge. I've I've now got it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I mean, it's like big time. And I think for me, one of the biggest surprises and one of the most exciting things was and is that a close friend of mine, someone who lost a family member to suicide um, fairly recently, this was um, a close friend of mine. So none of us really saw it coming. And we talked a lot about the stigma and getting this out there, but also the idea that suicide, suicidal people are already there. We need to start talking about at the beginning, at the very moment that you feel like something's wrong and you think to yourself, this does not feel right. My heart's racing. Like something is wrong that you need to go, oh, well, I just go to my doctor for that. I I don't, there's... No question in your head that all you need to do is go to your doctor and that from there, there will be treatment possibilities, treatment options, and you won't feel uncomfortable. I want this to get to the point where you just don't feel uncomfortable anymore. I know that it it can be embarrassing and vulnerable and, and, oh, I've failed at something. Well, fuck, we've all failed. We're failing every day. I tell my kid all the time, like, fail forward. Do it over and over again and learn from it. It's the same thing with mental illness and it's the same thing with any other disease. You go in and you figure it out and doctors fail every day. 
in the sense that we, we try something different, we try something new, we go on to the next step, we go to the next treatment. And that, my friends, is how the medical you know mechanism works. That's how it's supposed to work. And that's how it's supposed to work with mental illness. That's what I'm trying to do with this is if I have to be the vulnerable one, fine. I know that I'm going to have enough supporters that it's going to push me through that someone's going to hear this and go, shit, if that crazy girl did it, then I know I can get help. So I saw my psychiatrist the other day and we've talked about this. She's going to, she's going to sit in and I'm going to interview her um, on one of these. And we talked about how like, you know, you don't go in and get a diagnosis of diabetes and then go, meh, I'm not going to, I just, I'm not going to get treated. Like, no, thank you to the insulin. I'll just go ahead and die. I, I just don't see that happening. I mean, maybe there's, uh, you know, a couple of wild instances that that happens, but I highly doubt it. So we need to make sure that you understand. Well, I need to make sure that you understand that there is hope. There is treatment. There's, you can feel better. I promise you, my friends, you can feel better. It is not a magic pill. It's not a magic, you know, treatment. You have to kind of work at it. You have to decide, you know, how much effort you're going to put into this. So going back to the feedback, um, you know, like having this out there on social media and having it out there in the world and hearing my voice and people, I have, you know, friends calling me, screaming into the phone, like, yes, bitch, like, this is so good. That caused me to have, of course, anxiety. It almost became crippling over how am I going to meet these expectations now? Were the first two episodes it? Like, did I hit my limit? Is Am I going to even be able to do this anymore? How do I get more listeners? How can I make this a priority in people's lives so that I can make it a priority in mine? You know, how do I ask for your donations and, and help financially without sounding like, you know, some sort of salesperson, which is crazy in itself because these are free. You can listen to them for free. So if you can donate $5 or $10, great. You don't have to pay for it to listen to it. So listen to it for three, four, five episodes and then decide. Um, I think that's... I, I, I now feel like it's a completely appropriate thing for me to ask from you. So in, in, you know, in essence, all in all, I came up to the conclusion of fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to keep this as real as it gets. So I want to talk about the difference between mental illness and mental health. You might not think that there's a big difference, but what I'm talking about in this podcast is mostly is the actual disease that's being treated in order for me to maintain a life, to be a functioning member of society, to be a good friend, to be a good lover, to be a good mom. Um, the disease that I'm being treated for and that, that people are treated for, what I'm trying to get to is to help you learn that that's an actual medical issue. Okay, so the difference between mental illness and mental health is the medical issue that I want to hopefully help people rid themselves of the stigma of going to the doctor and figuring out what the fuck is wrong with you and getting it taken care of and hopefully realizing and really truly understanding that there is nothing really wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with having mental illness. There's certainly a disease that needs to be treated, but there's nothing wrong with you having mental illness. Then on the other side of that is mental health. 
which mental health is the how. It's how we take care of ourselves, the good things we can do for our minds, the life hacks that will keep our crazy at bay. Everybody needs mental health. Not everyone has or needs to be treated for mental illness. Does this make sense? Because I think that we're, we're bombarded daily by mental health regimen, you know, memes and, and cute cat videos and, you know, like inspirational quotes that tell you to go on, you know, girls vacations and, you know, all of these things. None of that is, is bad. It's just, it's just surface. It's, it's just shiny and fluffy. We need to drill all the way down to what's really happening. And if you feel physically bad, your mind, you know, your brain hurts. And like I told you that first time, mental illness can manifest itself in so many different ways. Headaches, um, stomach aches. I mean, everything, you know, serotonin is, is, uh, created in your gut. So if you eat like shit, you're going to feel like shit and your mind's going to feel like shit and you're going to be anxious. Now, granted, uh, and again, diet and, and exercise, we're going to talk about it in another episode, but because I've certainly, I can see huge differences when I don't eat sugar, when I don't eat certain things, I don't drink. And again, that's all part of my mental health. Okay. It is not required for me to be treated for my mental illness to be treated by not drinking alcohol. It is very useful or it's very helpful, but it's not a treatment for mental illness. So I'm hoping that we all can understand the, the very big difference between talking about mental illness and mental health. Mental health is the how, mental illness is the thing. And that's where I believe the stigma really lives, is this mental illness. The, the words bipolar and anxiety and lithium, you know, I take lithium and it keeps me in, in a level of sanity where I can at least make it through the day. So mental illness is comprised of those words like bipolar and schizophrenia and anxiety, depression, hypomania. You know, maybe we could put a glossary together for you, but those are the things that we, that I believe are surrounded by stigma. And I want to break that down as, as much as possible. So we got those two things, uh, described. Okay. So I was the other day, uh, this kind of goes along with the fact that that fine line between being pissed off and being, you know, having an episode. Um, I realized that that morning that I was actually raising my voice to someone who is very close to me. Um, and by the way, I'm never going to actually use names or be, you know, specific with who I'm talking about or like what I'm talking to, unless they're sitting here talking to me on the microphone, you know, um, being recorded. And so, you know, if you know the people in my life, great. We're never going to, you know, point fingers or anything like that. And, and frankly, I could be just making it up. So <laughs> there you go. But let's talk about when I'm, I've raised my voice at someone who's very close to me that doing these podcast recordings are really bringing the crazy to the surface. And I was really going a little wild about something. I don't know if it was money or what the problem was. Um, and that's, again, when I realized there was a really fine line between being pissed off and, you know, being pissed off at someone's bullshit and a full on panic attack or manic episode or hypomania. And this person actually said to me, you know, I know you're just having an episode, 
here's the thing, you guys. Don't fucking ever say that to someone when you know that they suffer from mental illness. When you And you could be the most supportive person in the world and you don't have mental illness and you're super great about your mental health and you don't have headaches and you can eat whatever the fuck you want and you can drink yourself under the table and, you know, not have hangovers. Great. Don't ever fucking say to someone, I know you're just having an episode. Oh, that was... And it just pissed me off even further. And I, I had to like literally remove myself from the situation, which again is another good way to help your mental illness, remove yourself from toxic situations. Um, so keeping that in mind, we are going to talk about relationships, you know, just in general friendships, the, just the people in our lives. Okay. Um, and do you remember me telling you about Freud where he says, before diagnosing yourself with depression or low self-esteem, first make sure that you are not, in fact, surrounded by assholes. How many of us are just feel like we're just surrounded by assholes all the time? Well, of course, we can get into the sort of metaphysical, you know, we bring into our lives what we put out there, and really it's just a mirror. But I'm not going to get into that with, with all of this. What I'm talking about is how these toxic relationships, how these toxic people how the good people, how the, you know, the children in our lives affect our mental illness. Because yes, you're born with it. It's a physiological state of being, having bipolar or PTSD or any of these things. But all of these relationships, all these friendships, all of these people in your life, if you continue to engage with them, if you shouldn't be, it will exacerbate the symptoms of mental illness. It's just a fact. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm just telling you that after 43 years of dealing with all of this bullshit, I can tell you for sure. Like, and I am totally in it right now with people in my life that I should not have in my life. So it's not like I'm telling you this because I'm living some wonderful, you know, perfect life. I'm not. I'm talking about my own life here. So there's a couple of like definitions that I found because of course if I just ramble on then, you know, we'll you'll never be rid of me. Uh but so toxic people are the ones who complain all the time. They are the ones who always blame you. They may always turn things around so things you thought they had done wrong are suddenly your fault. Um, and they always overreact to bad events. Toxic people can drain your energy. You may start to spend a lot of time and emotional strength trying to cheer them up. Oh my God, that's like me, like completely. Um, they may bombard you with their negativity so that you have to spend energy trying to fend them off. Oy, me too. Sames. Um, and their constant pessimism infects you or they always make you angry. They are leeches who feed themselves by encouraging you to give them your optimism or strength, like you're giving it away. Ugh. And then you start to feel responsible for their well-being, and that sucks because adulting is hard enough being responsible for your own well-being. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my God. And then, so here, here what we're talking about with mental illness is that people with mental illnesses such as uh, bipolar, major depression, or even depressive depressive tendencies. Okay. You may not, you could just be depressive tendencies, uh, are particularly susceptible to toxic people since they're already sensitive to negative emotions. So like for me, someone with bipolar 
who's in the midst of a mixed or depressive episode may have at that time a somewhat weaker grip on emotional stability than other people. And that may make us easier target for toxic people. But honestly, toxic people can affect anyone. This is, you know, obviously not just about having mental illness, but, you know, you could bring on, if you absorb people's shitty negative emotions, it will make you depressed. And then the cycle starts over. So you could be completely not uh, diagnosed with mental illness and still feel like complete and total shit because of toxic people. So let's just like all figure out, you know, I, I was driving the other day or maybe I was coming back on the plane or something. And, and these words came to me that just like, fuck, we can be so cruel to each other. And yeah, like the trolling on, you know, social media and all of that. But the people we are the closest to the closest to even like children. And I'm not talking about anyone specific, but, and, and I'm this way, I'm not saying it's like happening to me. We can be so cruel to each other. We've got to stop being cruel. Remember my friend's grandma when right before she died, just be nice. That's the, the point of life is just be nice. So going back to like, this whole toxic relationship, toxic people getting away from toxic people can help. But there are times like both at work and in your family and social life when avoidance just isn't, isn't possible. That's when you need to realize that you can't change the other person's behavior, but you can change your own. I know we've all heard this before. Okay. If someone, you know, always triggers depression, anger, tiredness in you, examine how you react when the negativity starts and see if changing your own reaction helps which like I was saying, like remove yourself from like the room. If you can't leave the house or you can't leave, you know, wherever you are, just remove yourself from the room, go outside, go sit in your car. I've done that before. If your reaction doesn't contribute to the problem, or if you just can't make such a change, find a way to lessen this person's presence in your life. It will be honestly, it it will be good for your health, your mental health, right? These are the, the, how the tools is, part of this is getting rid of those people. Let me tell you a little bit about my biological family and my childhood. This is where everything started to create the trauma um, and, and how I developed the PTSD. And I will, I, I promised a you know, whole episode on that situation and, and what happened because it is very interesting, but it wasn't just my biological mom. A lot happened with both my brother and my father And eventually as a young adult, and then, you know, in my mid thirties, I finally realized I had to cut that off. I cut it off with all three of them after a situation at my wedding. Um, and that was one of the hardest things to do. And you would think I I had people in my life, like, why haven't you done this already? You know, like, why haven't you done this yet? It was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. And they really haven't come back in my life since. Um, and so I kind of realized that it was the right thing to do, but it's so difficult. It is so difficult. I, I still like, did I do the right thing? Is it, you know, they're my blood family. You're supposed to love your family. Well, that isn't really the issue here. I was going to leave this to the end, but, um, it's too good. I'm going to quote this right now. It's entitled self-love And it is written by my favorite Instagram 
actually, I think I follow her Twitter, Instagram. I have all of her eBooks. Her name is CCB. Uh, she's at the Crimson Kiss and she writes it how it is. And every time I open Instagram and I see something that she's written, it's like, bam, that is totally for me. She writes, I have been building a sanctuary for myself and it is filled with all of the things and people that contribute to my happiness, comfort, security, laughter, peace of mind, support, prayers, and encouragement. If you cannot contribute to those very specific things, that's okay. I understand now that people can only give others what they have in, in them to give. It's okay to be exactly where you are in your own life. And I am not here to force anyone to be anything for me that they aren't capable of being for themselves. But you can't stay around me. And I am not sorry. Yeah, girl. That's what I'm talking about. So, I mean, again, if you need to utilize the mental health tools that are out there, whether they be inspirational memes on social media or reading books by people like Cece, like, then use those tools. If those aren't enough, you need to see your doctor. If you are constantly battling depression, let's say you get rid of those people out of your life that are that you know are toxic and you break up with that boyfriend you uh, or girlfriend or you know you remove yourself from a situation but you still feel like just absolute shit. And I'm talking about cannot get out of bed. You are crying incessantly. There were times I remember um, when I was married, well, before that too, but at times where I would literally go and sit in the closet and just sob and sob and sob. Usually it's probably about money or starting a business, um, really anything. But the fact that I could not keep it together, I could not keep it together. I had to go sit in my closet on the floor with the, my little dog, like licking my face, licking the tears off my face and just thinking to myself, get it together. If you cannot get it together, you need to go see your doctor. If if you need to use the tools like reading CC's books or, you know, email me, uh, find me on Facebook, talk to me about this stuff. I will point you in the right direction. Maybe all you really need is talk therapy. Maybe all you need is, you know, to just tell someone you are feeling like shit. Just tell someone by opening up and being vulnerable. I am telling you, you guys is one of the most powerful tools there is. I already feel more like empowered. I already feel better by doing this podcast and getting this information out there and knowing that I'm at least helping a few people. And I already am two episodes in. So we'll see what happens after this episode. Maybe you guys think I'm just a lunatic, but that's all right. And by the way, I don't really care if you use the word crazy or insane or sane or lunatic. They're just words like who gives a shit? I am crazy. You're crazy. Like the situation is crazy. They're just words. If you call someone, you know, a certain thing or you use it derogatory or, you know, like that person I told you said, I know you're just having an episode, uh, then, you know, fuck you. <laughs> but I really want to reiterate that depression and anxiety are not character flaws. They are not character flaws. They are a part of us. They are the majority of human beings experience depression and anxiety on a daily basis, daily basis. 
People can scream all they want about diet and this day and age, but the truth is we're all just fucked up. And as soon as we can be nice to each other and walk each other through this crazy world, then, you know, we're never going to be okay unless we can get to that point. And okay. So here's what I want to say about the amazing people we have in our lives, right? Like my amazing teenager, my teenage son, he is the reason I live and breathe. He's like the light. He makes me laugh. I was just, sometimes I'm, I'm arguing with, with this other person in my life. And I realize I could be spending time with my teenager, like laughing my ass off. What am I doing? Wasting my time over here when I only have a very limited time with this teenager. Well, who knows? Maybe he'll live with me forever because right now all he does is play video games. So who knows? But that being said, He brings so much joy. I mean, there's times where I'm like buckled over laughing because of some shit that he says. And maybe it's just because he's my kid, but he's, he's fucking hilarious. And there's those of you who know me and know him are like sitting there like, uh, yeah, he is fucking hilarious. So, so are my girlfriends. I have some of the most amazing girlfriends and I have to say it is, it, and they know this too. Like I've been very clear, very open about it. You know, some, some women, we just don't click at all. I'm just too much for them. I'm too loud. I'm too this, I'm too that. And that's fine. That is fine. I've, I've totally come to terms with that, uh, over the years. My, the, the girlfriends that I really consider close to me, uh, understand what I deal with and that sometimes I just need to be left alone or sometimes I need to just, you know, spill it all, go a little wild, all of it. And that's so important. But the other thing too, is that, that sometimes it's very hard for me to continue friendships and relationships because I get so sucked into my own brain and I just want to literally close myself in to a little cocoon, not deal with anyone because I I would just rather be quiet and not talk to anyone than have the, run the risk of having anxiety, run the risk of having, you know, a, a reaction, a manic episode in front of people. Um, again, that's why the medication works because it keeps me level and I can have friendships and I can, I can live a normal life normal. That is actually a word I hate because what is normal really, but it can, the medication and the therapy and all of these things allow me to operate in society and have these friendships and be able to laugh about things. And as long as I'm upfront about stuff, I remember sitting down with a a girlfriend uh, recently, someone who I have only been friends with for a little while, um, and said, you know, I'm feeling a little manic today. And, and I kind of had to explain what that means because I don't want her to, you know, be freaked out. And and it felt, I felt very comfortable doing that. But here's what I've, I've realized over the last, I don't know, couple of years, I think, is that when you insert yourself into friendships, may they be difficult or easy, you are going to find information. You're going to find how the other side lives, how the other people live. You're going to see, remember when I, I talked about how scrolling through social media and seeing all of these things just makes you more depressed, right? We know this. It, there's it's, there's research, there's studies on this where all you see is like the fancy, you see the shiny, you see the happy family, you see this, you see that. And 
who knows? Maybe that's the actual truth. But nine times out of 10, it's going to be a bunch of fucking bullshit. And what you need to do is be friends with people, be present in their lives, ask questions, find out about who they are, ask about their, you know, what's happening with them, find out about their lives. And you know what you, what you're going to realize is that their lives are just as fucked up as yours. And maybe just maybe it will make you feel like your situation is not as bad as you thought it was. You're your jealousy, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, because if you just sit in your fucking house and cover yourself up and, you know, play video games all day, that's what your reality is going to be. And you're going to think that everyone else, because you're scrolling through Facebook and you're going to think everybody else is living up some, you know, fancy life. And who knows, maybe they went to Vegas and it looks so fun, but you know what? Maybe they came back with $10,000 worth of debt. Who knows? But if you can have those close relationships and go out and talk to people and have friendships as uncomfortable maybe as it is, you will find that even those people have fucked up lives too. And you'll find out how are they dealing with it? What did they do to to get over something, you know, here and there? So not only are they going to provide you with support and friendship and laughter and, you know, all of that and companionship. I mean, loneliness, fuck, I could do an entire episode on loneliness and you, we, really, we could just say the word lonely and, you know, be done with it. And you kind of all go, yeah, that fucking sucks. But loneliness, if you can find those people and you know what, if one friendship doesn't work out, then go and find others. There's other people out there that have the same interests as you, that do the same things as you go play a sport, you know, get yourself involved out there as much as you can. And you will find that other people's lives are just as fucked up. And when we talk about this in terms of mental illness, if you in fact physically cannot leave your house or get out of bed, you need to see the doctor first. You need to contact someone. You need to reach out to a family member, somebody that you trust like no one else and open up, be vulnerable make them understand something is wrong. And, you know, they might be able to, to help you in a different way. If you can't find anybody, you need to find me on Facebook, Mental Illness Life, and email me. And I will answer your questions and I will, t- I will give you the, the right direction. But I can guarantee you that if you just go to your regular doctor, they will have answers for you. I promise you. And you know what? It'll all be okay. I promise that it's all going to be okay. So we don't have time today to talk about addiction and, and I really want to get into alcohol addiction and, um, what that can do to your brain and what that, the experience that I've had with alcohol in my life. Um, so I'm going to do that on episode four. I I feel like I have like a thousand topics, so you're not getting rid of me that easily. (laughs) The way I want to wrap this up about friendship is from, um, the publication psychology today. And and I love this because it's so, it's just so basic, but it says it like just better than I could say it. Um, it says, it says all about friendship. Anais Nin, uh, opined that each friend represents a world in us, a world possibly not born until they arrive. I know that's the case for me and some of you, (laughs) Uh, And it is only by this meeting that a new world is born. 
Though some natural loners are happy without friends, most of humanity depends greatly on the company of true friends. People tend to befriend those who are similar in background, in personality, and sometimes even appearance, an assortative process that resembles the way in which people select prospective mates. A critical life skill is the ability to establish and maintain strong friendships while artfully navigating toxic individuals who may at first be ultra-eager to form a friendship. Something to be clear on. Uh, and then finally, strong friendships are a critical aspect of most people's emotional well-being. They can bolster against loneliness, decrease anxiety, and improve one's physical health. When it comes to establishing a friendship, the quality of time spent together proves more important than the quantity. It's not necessary to form a large network of friends. Research shows that sustaining just a few close friendships can provide tremendous benefits. And I know that that's what is true for me. And I know that my very best friends are listening right now. And there is nothing more in my life that I am grateful for than your friendship and your support and your complete and utter unfettered love for me and your sometimes a little creepy obsession with me. I'm just kidding. You can totally do that. I love you and you are one of the biggest reasons why I can sustain life right now. So all that being said, I really, I'm really grateful that you've all been listening and that you're all supporting me and that I have so many listeners and I'm just so excited about all of this. Please, if you can donate to the cause, it, it helps offset costs, um, for how much time this takes. I really, really want to get up to Washington to talk to the doctors at, um, one of the hospitals up there that does electroconvulsive therapy. That is going to be so cool to talk about because it's just such a barbaric therapy, but it's one of the most effective therapies in treating depression ever. Um, and so that will be super cool. So thank you so much for listening and just stick around for episode four should be around in a couple of days. Um, but again, my Facebook page is mental illness life, you know, facebook.com slash mental illness life. And there's a, fa there's a fundraiser right there and you can donate five, 10, $500, whatever you can do. And I can make these quicker and I can help as you know, way more people if I can put these out quicker and I can do that with your help. So take care of yourselves and remember to just be nice. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. Does that make me crazy? Everybody, welcome to Mental Illness Life. My name is Brooke, and oh my god, you guys, this is the fourth recording of this episode that I've had to sort of go back over and over. I think the third episode, I don't know, it's just been sort of plaguing me because I, I think it's getting really real and really vulnerable, and a lot of people have been listening, and I've gotten a lot of feedback. Some 
like amazing feedback. I haven't really gotten any negative feedback. Maybe that's just because people are maybe afraid to say something or they just don't care. Um, you know, that's something I'm going to have to deal with is, is are people going to be a little turned off by it? Well, that's why we need to do these. Uh, it's even more important because it's, it is such a stigma. So I got to tell you this episode, I'm a little bit riled up and I want to say this first. There is a fine line between just being fucking pissed off and having like a manic episode or having an anxiety attack or, you know, having something manifest out of mental illness. I mean, we all get pissed off and this episode, I'm going to talk about toxic relationships, um, you know, beneficial relationships, but really about people. I'm going to throw in there a little bit about alcoholism. Um, it's kind of often left field, but I really do think that they correspond to each other and, and they go together. So let me just start out by saying thank you for listening. Like I said, it has, there's been some really great feedback and I have decided to run this solely on fundraising and donations. So you can go to my Facebook page, which is just mental illness life. And there's a fundraiser there. You can do that right through Facebook. And that way this just stays listener funded. And I don't have to go to, you know, through the motions of, of advertisers and that kind of stuff. So you just hear me and that's it. And I would be so grateful. So like I said, the response has been huge. I'm, I've now got it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I mean, it's like big time. And I think for me, one of the biggest surprises and one of the most exciting things was and is that a close friend of mine, someone who lost a family member to suicide um, fairly recently, this was um, a close friend of mine. So none of us really saw it coming. And we talked a lot about the stigma and getting this out there, but also the idea that suicide, suicidal people are already there. We need to start talking about at the beginning, at the very moment that you feel like something's wrong and you think to yourself, this does not feel right. My heart's racing. Like something is wrong that you need to go, oh, well, I just go to my doctor for that. I I don't, there's no question in your head that all you need to do is go to your doctor and that from there, there will be treatment possibilities, treatment options, and you won't feel uncomfortable. I want this to get to the point where you just don't feel uncomfortable anymore. I know that it it can be embarrassing and vulnerable and, and, oh, I've failed at something. Well, fuck, we've all failed. We're failing every day. I tell my kid all the time, like, fail forward. Do it over and over again and learn from it. It's the same thing with mental illness and it's the same thing with any other disease. You go in and you figure it out and doctors fail every day in the sense that we, we try something different. We try something new. We go on to the next step. We go to the next treatment. And that, my friends, is how the medical you know mechanism works. That's how it's supposed to work. And that's how it's supposed to work with mental illness. That's what I'm trying to do with this is if I have to be the vulnerable one, fine. I know that I'm going to have enough supporters that it's going to push me through that someone's going to hear this and go, shit, if that crazy girl did it, then I know I can get help. 
So I saw my psychiatrist the other day and we've talked about this. She's going to, she's going to sit in and I'm going to interview her, um, on one of these. And we talked about how, like, you know, you don't go in and get a diagnosis of diabetes and then go, meh, I'm not going to, I just, I'm not going to get treated. Like, no, thank you to the insulin. I'll just go ahead and die. I, I just don't see that happening. I mean, maybe there's uh, you know, a couple of wild instances that that happens, but I highly doubt it. So we need to make sure that you understand. Well, I need to make sure that you understand that there is hope. There is treatment. There's, you can feel better. I promise you, my friends, you can feel better. It is not a magic pill. It's not a magic, you know, treatment. You have to kind of work at it. You have to decide, you know, how much effort you're going to put into this. So going back to the feedback, um, you know, like having this out there on social media and having it out there in the world and hearing my voice and people, I have, you know, friends calling me screaming into the phone, like, yes, bitch, like this is so good. That caused me to have, of course, anxiety. It almost became crippling over how am I going to meet these expectations now? Were the first two episodes it? Like, did I hit my limit? Is Am I going to even be able to do this anymore? How do I get more listeners? How can I make this a priority in people's lives so that I can make it a priority in mine? You know, how do I ask for your donations and, and help financially without sounding like, you know, some sort of salesperson? which is crazy in itself because these are free. You can listen to them for free. So if you can donate $5 or $10, great. You don't have to pay for it to listen to it. So listen to it for three, four, five episodes and then decide. Um, I think that's, I, I, I now feel like it's a completely appropriate thing for me to ask from you. So in, in, you know, in essence, all in all, I came up to the conclusion of fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to keep this as real as it gets. So I want to talk about the difference between mental illness and mental health. You might not think that there's a big difference, but what I'm talking about in this podcast is mostly is the actual disease that's being treated in order for me to maintain a life, to be a functioning member of society, to be a good friend, to be a good lover, to be a good mom. Um, the disease that I'm being treated for and that, that people are treated for, what I'm trying to get to is to help you learn that that's an actual medical issue, okay? So the difference between mental illness and mental health is the medical issue that I want to hopefully help people rid themselves of the stigma of going to the doctor and figuring out what the fuck is wrong with you and getting it taken care of and hopefully realizing and really truly understanding that there is nothing really wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with having mental illness. There's certainly a disease that needs to be treated, but there's nothing wrong with you having mental illness. Then on the other side of that is mental health, which mental health is the how. It's how we take care of ourselves, the good things we can do for our minds, the life hacks that will keep our crazy at bay. Everybody needs mental health. Not everyone has or needs to be treated for mental illness. Does this make sense? Because I think that we're, we're bombarded daily by mental health regimen, you know, memes and, and cute cat videos and, you know, like inspirational quotes that tell you to go on, you know, girls vacations and, 
you know, all of these things. None of that is, is bad. It's just, it's just surface. It's, it's just shiny and fluffy. We need to drill all the way down to what's really happening. And if you feel physically bad, your mind, you know, your brain hurts. And like I told you that first time, mental illness can manifest itself in so many different ways. Headaches, um, stomach aches. I mean, everything, you know, serotonin is, is, uh, created in your gut. So if you eat like shit, you're going to feel like shit and your mind's going to feel like shit. And you're going to be anxious. Now, granted, uh, and again, diet and, and exercise, we're going to talk about it in another episode, but because I've certainly, I can see huge differences when I don't eat sugar, when I don't eat certain things, I don't drink. And again, that's all part of my mental health. Okay. It is not required for me to be treated, for my mental illness to be treated by not drinking alcohol. It is very useful or it's very helpful, but it's not a treatment for mental illness. So I'm hoping that we all can understand the, the very big difference between talking about mental illness and mental health. Mental health is the how, mental illness is the thing. And that's where I believe the stigma really lives is this mental illness, the, the words bipolar and anxiety and lithium, you know, I take lithium and it keeps me in, in a level of sanity where I can at least make it through the day. So mental illness is comprised of those words like bipolar and schizophrenia and anxiety, depression, hypomania, you know, maybe we could put a glossary together for you, but those are the things that we, that I believe are surrounded by stigma. And I want to break that down as, as much as possible. So we got those two things, uh, described. Okay. So I was the other day, uh, this kind of goes along with the fact that that fine line between being pissed off and being, you know, having an episode um, I realized that that morning that I was actually raising my voice to someone who is very close to me. Um, and by the way, I'm never going to actually use names or be you know specific with who I'm talking about or like what I'm talking to, unless they're sitting here talking to me on the microphone, you know, um, being recorded. And so, you know, if you know the people in my life, great we're never going to, you know, point fingers or anything like that. And and frankly, I could be just making it up. So <laughs> there you go. But let's talk about when I'm, I've raised my voice at someone who's very close to me that doing these podcast recordings are really bringing the crazy to the surface. And I was really going a little wild about something. I don't know if it was money or what the problem was. Um, and that's again, when I realized it was a really fine line between being pissed off and, you know, being pissed off at someone's bullshit and a full on panic attack or manic episode or hypomania. And this person actually said to me, you know, I know you're just having an episode. Here's the thing, you guys don't fucking ever say that to someone when you know that they suffer from mental illness, when you, and you could be the most supportive person in the world and you don't have mental illness and you're super great about your mental health and you don't have headaches and you can eat whatever the fuck you want and you can drink yourself under the table and you know, not have hangovers. Great. Don't ever fucking say to someone, I know you're just having an episode. Oh, that was, and it just pissed me off even further. And I, I had to like literally remove myself from the situation, which again is another good way to help your 
mental illness. Remove yourself from toxic situations. Um, so keeping that in mind, we are going to talk about relationships, you know, just in general friendships, the, just the people in our lives. Okay. Um, and do you remember me telling you about Freud where he says before diagnosing yourself with depression or low self-esteem, first, make sure that you are not in fact surrounded by assholes. How many of us are just feel like we're just surrounded by assholes all the time? Well, of course, we can get into the sort of metaphysical, you know, we bring into our lives what we put out there and really it's just a mirror, but I'm not going to get into that with, with all of this. What I'm talking about is how these toxic relationships, how these toxic people, how the good people, how the, you know, the children in our lives affect our mental illness because yes, you're born with it. It's a physiological state of being having bipolar or PTSD or any of these things, but all of these relationships, all these friendships, all of these people in your life, if you continue to engage with them, if you shouldn't be, it will exacerbate the symptoms of mental illness. It's just a fact. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm just telling you that after 43 years of dealing with all of this bullshit, I can tell you for sure. Like, and I am totally in it right now with people in my life that I should not have in my life. So it's not like I'm telling you this because I'm living some wonderful, you know, perfect life. I'm not, I'm talking about my own life here. So there's a couple of like definitions that I found because of course, if I just ramble on, then, you know, we'll, you'll never be rid of me. Uh, but so toxic people are the ones who complain all the time. They are the ones who always blame you. They may always turn things around. So things you thought they had done wrong are suddenly your fault. Um, and they always overreact to bad events. Toxic people can drain your energy. You may start to spend a lot of time and emotional strength trying to cheer them up. Oh my God. That's like me, like completely. Um, they may bombard you with their negativity so that you have to spend energy trying to fend them off. Oi, me too. Sames. Um, and their constant pessimism infects you or they always make you angry. They are leeches who feed themselves by encouraging you to give them your optimism of strength. Like you're giving it away. Ugh. And then you start to feel responsible for their well-being, And that sucks because adulting is hard enough being responsible for your own well-being. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my God. And then, so here, here, what we're talking about with mental illness is that people with mental illnesses such as, um, bipolar, major depression, or even depressive, depressive tendencies. Okay. You may not, you could just be depressive tendencies, uh, are particularly susceptible to toxic people since they're already sensitive to negative emotions. So like for me, someone with bipolar who's in the midst of a mixed or depressive episode may have at that time a somewhat weaker grip on emotional stability than other people. And that may make us easier target for toxic people. But honestly, toxic people can affect anyone. This is, you know, obviously not just about having mental illness, but you know, you could bring on, if you absorb people's shitty negative emotions, it will make you depressed. And then the cycle starts over. So 
you could be completely not uh, diagnosed with mental illness and still feel like complete and total shit because of toxic people. So let's just like all figure out, you know, I, I was driving the other day or maybe I was coming back on the plane or something. And, and these words came to me that just like, fuck, we can be so cruel to each other. And yeah, like the trolling on, you know, social media and all of that. But the people we are the closest to, the closest to, even like children. And I'm not talking about anyone specific, but, and, and I'm this way. I, I'm not saying it's like happening to me. We can be so cruel to each other. We've got to stop being cruel. Remember my friend's grandma when, right before she died, just be nice. That's the, the point of life is just be nice. So going back to like this whole toxic relationship, toxic people getting away from toxic people can help, but there are times like both at work and in your family and social life when avoidance just isn't, isn't possible. That's when you need to realize that you can't change the other person's behavior, but you can change your own. I know we've all heard this before. Okay. If someone, you know, always triggers depression, anger, tiredness in you, examine how you react when the negativity starts and see if changing your own reaction helps which like I was saying, like remove yourself from like the room. If you can't leave the house or you can't leave, you know, wherever you are, just remove yourself from the room, go outside, go sit in your car. I've done that before. If your reaction doesn't contribute to the problem, or if you just can't make such a change, find a way to lessen this person's presence in your life. It will be honestly, it, it will be good for your health, your mental health, right? These are the, the, how the tools is part of this is getting rid of those people. Let me tell you a little bit about my biological family and my childhood. This is where everything started to create the trauma um, and, and how I developed the PTSD. And I will, I, I promised a you know, whole episode on that situation and, and what happened because it is very interesting, but it wasn't just my biological mom. A lot happened with both my brother and my father and eventually as a young adult and then you know in my mid 30s i finally realized i had to cut that off i cut it off with all three of them after a situation at my wedding um and that was one of the hardest things to do and you would think i i had people in my life like why haven't you done this already you know like why haven't you done this yet it was one of the hardest things i'd ever done and they really haven't come back in my life since. Um, and so I kind of realized that it was the right thing to do, but it's so difficult. It is so difficult. I, I still like, did I do the right thing? Is it, you know, they're my blood family. You're supposed to love your family. Well, that isn't really the issue here. I was going to leave this to the end, but, um, it's too good. I'm going to quote this right now. It's entitled self-love and it is written by my favorite Instagram. Actually, I think I follow her Twitter, Instagram. I have all of her eBooks. Her name is CCB. Uh, she's at the Crimson Kiss and she writes it how it is. And every time I open Instagram and I see something that she's written, it's like, bam, that is totally for me. She writes, I have been building a sanctuary for myself and it is filled with all of the things and people that contribute to my happiness, comfort, security, laughter, peace of mind, support, prayers, and encouragement. 
If you cannot contribute to those very specific things, that's okay. I understand now that people can only give others what they have in, in them to give. It's okay to be exactly where you are in your own life. And I am not here to force anyone to be anything for me that they aren't capable of being for themselves. But you can't stay around me. And I am not sorry. Yeah, girl. That's what I'm talking about. So, I mean, again, if you need to utilize the mental health tools that are out there, whether they be inspirational memes on social media or reading books by people like Cece, like, then use those tools. If those aren't enough, you need to see your doctor. If you are constantly battling depression, let's say you get rid of those people out of your life that are, that you know are toxic and you break up with that boyfriend, you, uh, or girlfriend, or, you know, you remove yourself from a situation, but you still feel like just absolute shit. And I'm talking about cannot get out of bed. You are crying incessantly. There were times I remember, um, when I was married, well, before that too, but at times where I would literally go and sit in the closet and just sob and sob and sob. Usually it's probably about money or starting a business, um, really anything. But the fact that I could not keep it together, I could not keep it together. I had to go sit in my closet on the floor with my little dog, like licking my face, licking the tears off my face and just thinking to myself, get it together. If you cannot get it together, you need to go see your doctor. If if you need to use the tools like reading CC's books or, you know, email me, uh, find me on Facebook, talk to me about this stuff. I will point you in the right direction. Maybe all you really need is talk therapy. Maybe all you need is, you know, to just tell someone you are feeling like shit. Just tell someone by opening up and being vulnerable. I am telling you, you guys is one of the most powerful tools there is. I already feel more like empowered. I already feel better by doing this podcast and getting this information out there and knowing that I'm at least helping a few people. And I already am two episodes in. So we'll see what happens after this episode. Maybe you guys think I'm just a lunatic, but that's all right. And by the way, I don't really care if you use the word crazy or insane or sane or lunatic. They're just words. Like, who gives a shit? I am crazy. You're crazy. Like the situation is crazy. They're just words. If you call someone, you know, a certain thing or you use it derogatory or, you know, like that person I told you said, I know you're just having an episode, uh, then, you know, fuck you. <laughs> but I really want to reiterate that depression and anxiety are not character flaws. They are not character flaws. They are a part of us. They are the majority of human beings experience depression and anxiety on a daily basis, daily basis. People can scream all they want about diet and this day and age, but the truth is we're all just fucked up. And as soon as we can be nice to each other and walk each other through this crazy world, then, you know, we're never going to be okay unless we can get to that point. And okay. So Here's what I want to say about the amazing people we have in our lives, right? Like my amazing teenager, my teenage son, he is the reason I live and breathe. He's like the light. He makes me laugh. 
I was just sometimes I'm I'm arguing with with this other person in my life, and I realize I could be spending time with my teenager, like laughing my ass off. What am I doing, wasting my time over here? When I only have a very limited time with this teenager. Well, who knows? Maybe he'll live with me forever because right now all he does is play video games. So who knows? But that being said, he brings so much joy. I mean, there's times where I'm like buckled over laughing because of some shit that he says. And maybe it's just because he's my kid, but he's, he's fucking hilarious. And there's those of you who know me and know him are like sitting there like, uh, yeah, he is fucking hilarious. So... So are my girlfriends. I have some of the most amazing girlfriends. And I have to say, it is, it, and they know this too. Like, I've been very clear, very open about it. You know, some some women, we just don't click at all. I'm just too much for them. I'm too loud. I'm too this. I'm too that. And that's fine. That is fine. I've, I've totally come to terms with that uh, over the years. My the, the girlfriends that I really consider close to me... Uh, understand what I deal with and that sometimes I just need to be left alone or sometimes I need to just, you know, spill it all, go a little wild, all of it. And that's so important. But the other thing too is that, that sometimes it's very hard for me to continue friendships and relationships because I get so sucked into my own brain and I just want to literally close myself in to a little cocoon not deal with anyone because I, I would just rather be quiet and not talk to anyone than have the, run the risk of having anxiety, run the risk of having, you know, a, a reaction, a manic episode in front of people. Um, again, that's why the medication works because it keeps me level and I can have friendships and I can ha- I can live a normal life normal. That is actually a word I hate because what is normal really, but it can, the medication and the therapy and all of these things allow me to operate in society and have these friendships and be able to laugh about things. And as long as I'm upfront about stuff, I remember sitting down with a a girlfriend uh, recently, someone who I have only been friends with for a little while, um, and said, you know, I'm feeling a little manic today. And, and I kind of had to explain what that means because I don't want her to, you know, be freaked out. And, and it felt, I felt very comfortable doing that. But here's what I've, I've realized over the last, I don't know, couple of years, I think, is that when you insert yourself into friendships, may they be difficult or easy, you are going to find information. You're going to find how the other side lives, how the other people live. You're going to see, remember when I, I talked about how scrolling through social media and seeing all of these things just makes you more depressed, right? We know this. It, there's there's research, there's studies on this where all you see is like the fancy, you see the shiny, you see the happy family, you see this, you see that. And who knows, maybe that's the actual truth. But nine times out of 10, it's going to be a bunch of fucking bullshit. And what you need to do is be friends with people, be present in their lives, ask questions, find out about who they are, ask about their, you know, what's happening with them, find out about their lives. And you know what, what you're going to realize is that their lives are just as fucked up as yours. And maybe, just maybe, it will make you feel like your situation is not as bad as you thought it was. You're your jealousy, you know, whatever you want to call it, 
Um, you know, because if you just sit in your fucking house and cover yourself up and, you know, play video games all day, that's what your reality is going to be. And you're going to think that everyone else, because you're scrolling through Facebook and you're going to think everybody else is living up some, you know, fancy life. And who knows, maybe they went to Vegas and it looks so fun, but you know what? Maybe they came back with $10,000 worth of debt. Who knows? But if you can have those close relationships and go out and talk to people and have friendships as uncomfortable maybe as it is, you will find that even those people have fucked up lives too. And you'll find out how are they dealing with it? What did they do to, to get over something, you know, here and there? So not only are they going to provide you with support and friendship and laughter and, you know, all of that and companionship. I mean, loneliness, fuck, I could do an entire episode on loneliness and you, we really, we could just say the word lonely and, you know, be done with it. And you kind of all go, yeah, that fucking sucks. But loneliness, if you can find those people and you know what, if one friendship doesn't work out, then go and find others. There's other people out there that have the same interests as you, that do the same things as you go play a sport, you know, get yourself involved out there as much as you can. And you will find that other people's lives are just as fucked up. And when we talk about this in terms of mental illness, if you in fact physically cannot leave your house or get out of bed, you need to see the doctor first. You need to contact someone. You need to reach out to a family member, somebody that you trust like no one else and open up, be vulnerable make them understand something is wrong. And, you know, they might be able to, to help you in a different way. If you can't find anybody, you need to find me on Facebook, Mental Illness Life, and email me. And I will answer your questions and I will, t I will give you the, the right direction. But I can guarantee you that if you just go to your regular doctor, they will have answers for you. I promise you. And you know what? It'll all be okay. I promise that it's all going to be okay. So we don't have time today to talk about addiction and, and I really want to get into alcohol addiction and um, what that can do to your brain and what that, the experience that I've had with alcohol in my life. Um, so I'm going to do that on episode four. I, I feel like I have like a thousand topics, so you're not getting rid of me that easily. <laughs> the way I want to wrap this up about friendship is from um, the publication Psychology Today. And, and I love this because it's so, it's just so basic, but it says it like just better than I could say it. Um, it says, it says all about friendship. Anais Nin uh, op opined that each friend represents a world in us, a world possibly not born until they arrive. I know that's the case for me and some of you. <laughs> Uh, and it is only by this meeting that a new world is born. Though some natural loners are happy without friends, most of humanity depends greatly on the company of true friends. People tend to befriend those who are similar in background, in personality, and sometimes even appearance. An assortative process that resembles the way in which people select prospective mates. A critical life skill is the ability to establish and maintain strong friendships while artfully navigating toxic individuals who may at first be ultra eager to form a friendship. Something to be clear on. 
Uh, and then finally, strong friendships are a critical aspect of most people's emotional well-being. They can bolster against loneliness, decrease anxiety, and improve one's physical health. When it comes to establishing a friendship, the quality of time spent together proves more important than the quantity. It's not necessary to form a large network of friends. Research shows that sustaining just a few close friendships can provide tremendous benefits. And I know that that's what is true for me. And I know that my very best friends are listening right now. And there is nothing more in my life that I am grateful for than your friendship and your support and your complete and utter unfettered love for me and your sometimes a little creepy obsession with me. I'm just kidding. You can totally do that. I love you and you are one of the biggest reasons why I can sustain life right now. So all that being said, I really, I'm really grateful that you've all been listening and that you're all supporting me and that I have so many listeners and I'm just so excited about all of this. Please, if you can donate to the cause, it, it helps offset costs, um, for how much time this takes. I really, really want to get up to Washington to talk to the doctors at, um, one of the hospitals up there that does electroconvulsive therapy. That is going to be so cool to talk about because it's just such a barbaric therapy, but it's one of the most effective therapies in treating depression ever. Um, and so that will be super cool. So thank you so much for listening and just stick around for episode four should be around in a couple of days. Um, but again, my Facebook page is mental illness life, you know, facebook.com slash mental illness life. And there's a, fa- there's a fundraiser right there and you can donate five, 10, $500, whatever you can do. And I can make these quicker and I can help as you know, way more people if I can put these out quicker and I can do that with your help. So take care of yourselves and remember to just be nice.